How are all you beautiful people doing? <laughs> Jim's good. Yeah, did you have a good Christmas? Any uh, redneck Christmas stories? You know, I did some redneck Thanksgiving stories. Like we had fireworks on Thanksgiving. You might be a redneck. You might be a redneck if your favorite Christmas gift was a was a Willie Robertson. What's that? A Duck Dynasty. Jace Robertson bobblehead. You know, <laughs> not James Robertson. Yeah, never mind. All right. Chia. So a couple couple things going on here. This is pretty cool. Um, Hannah Stewart leaves this week for Guatemala, and uh, she's going on a downing. Is that you? All right, downing's in the house. Yeah, it's angel. It's not really downing. Good to see you, man. Downing's in California these days. Uh, all right, sorry. Focus. All right. Hannah's leaving for Guatemala, though, and uh, she's going there with a group, and they're, they're going to be doing projects in schools. And actually, one of the schools has commissioned her to come and paint a mural in the school. Isn't that awesome? So, you know, Hannah's, what, 15 amazing artists. She couldn't be here this morning because of the holidays. But, Holy Spirit, we ask you to go with Hannah and uh, anoint her in art. God, as she paints this, I pray that kids and teachers, everybody who passes by that building would just be overwhelmed with your presence by her mural and her work of art. Amen? Amen. And uh, Ken and Jenny, you know, we sent out last week to New York City. If you follow them on Facebook, you've seen a lot of pictures and stuff. But uh, they're out there doing worship, praying for the sick, just a cluster bomb of love going off in New York City. So (laughs) I think they're having a good time. So, uh I also want to just um, give you a little update on River Life Chapel Hill. Um, So right now, we're getting ready to hit the ground, not hit the ground in Chapel Hill, but hit the preparation phase big time as of January 1st in terms of our plans and preparation. So keep praying. Um, You know, we need to sell our house. So for those of you who said, what are you still doing here? I thought it was your last Sunday. Don't kick me out yet. You know, we're going to be around for a while, but we're preparing the way. It's a lot of work, you know, to get a church going from the ground up. And uh, so be praying for that. And then also we're holding monthly meetings. So our next monthly meeting is January the 26th. It's a Sunday evening. And on that meeting, we're actually going to do a prayer walk kind of tour of the UNC area campus, Franklin Street and all that. So many people have expressed a desire to go there and like kind of see the territory and that. So we're going to do that that night and just walk around and pray. And I'm going to ask you guys, I'll remind you, even when you're, if you're here, you're not there. If you can just like put a reminder, a note or something to remind yourself, ask the Lord for some information about what we're doing there because we're planning a church in Chapel Hill. Aren't you guys excited? Like as in we, yeah, we. So everybody's got something you can do, and um, that'll be on the 26th. And then in February, starting, you know, back in February, we're going to be doing an actual meeting there, a church meeting on a Sunday evening, just once a month um, at 6 o'clock. And anyone from here is, is invited to go and be a part of that meeting. We had a great one back in November. It was awesome. So um, just got a call this morning, actually, from a family that used to go to River Life years ago. And they move their family to Wilmington, but they're moving to Chapel Hill, and they want to be involved at River Life in Chapel Hill. So the guy's just putting all the pieces in place. So you're going to be hearing more about that. We're just, thank you for your prayers. And uh, then Becky mentioned the healing rooms too. 
Man, this um, past Thursday, not this past Thursday, the Thursday before that, uh, we prayed for a, a lady who I'd never met before, and Pam Troglin brought her, and uh, she was due to go in the next morning um, because she had some masses in her breasts and was going for an exam, was really nervous about that. She also had a severe, like, needed, almost needed a knee replacement from her description of her right knee, I believe it was. And uh, so we started praying, and uh, me <laughs> Pam Jolly and Ed, Carol, and... The Lord just started giving us information. Make a long story short, we prayed once for her knee pain that was always an issue. And immediately 60% of the pain was gone. Then we prayed again, like, all right, let's go for the other 40. She jumped up and her words were, I've got a new knee. You know? <laughs> so, and um, then I've talked to her since. She said, no pain. Pam told me this morning her knee is doing great. And then she went for the uh, biopsy or the examination, whatever, the next morning. They couldn't even find the lump in, 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 that, that, in one of the things, that, which was awesome because that was a testimony from Ed's wife that he gave that night to her that happened to his wife years ago. Couldn't even find it. And the other thing they said was no big deal, you know, no issues there. So it's just so exciting. And, uh, you know, Jesus really does hate sickness and disease and pain. And so we do too. <laughs> it just really gets on my nerves. You know, I just really can't stand that people have to deal with that. And uh, it's just part of the gospel. You know, <laughs> when I look at the life of Jesus and his ministry, I just see that I mean, he cared a lot about that. Because everywhere he went, you know, he released that as part of his message. And yeah, it was a sign and all that. That's true. But he also just cared about people, you know, and there was just an aspect of the love of a father who just cares about his children and all of his children, you know, not just some chosen few or whatever, but all of his children. And uh, this morning I want to share um, not so much on healing, just on healing, but I want to, you know how people have life verses, you know, some preachers have life messages like Mike Bickle, the bride of Christ, you know. I don't know. If I had one, this would be it. <laughs> and it's from Acts 8. And, uh, you know, so I just, I really had, plus the Lord was speaking to me about a season that we're in as a church. As a church in America, I really believe it is. And so I've entitled this Reaching the Lost and Hurting in 2014, you know, because I really believe that, um, well, we sang that song like Hope for the Hopeless. You know, I really believe we're going to see an explosion of hope in our world, in our community here in Mooresville, in the, the Lake Norman area in 2014. I, I really think we've just, we haven't seen anything yet. There, there's just a big thing coming, and God's just preparing our hearts for that. He has been for quite some time, of course. Um, before I did that, by the way, I last minute emailed you guys for the best of 2013. And here's some of the ones that I got, okay? Rachel Murdoch got a promotion and a raise. Woohoo! Um, Tommy McCall said, Life in the Lord is truly like what the Bible describes at childbirth. The pain may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. 
Although there have been painful times this year, His goodness makes them a fading memory. For His mercies are new every morning, and in His presence is the fullness of joy. This is the now and goodness of God, and what I remember most, I have loved and been loved by others. My life has been full and rich. Yeah, that's really good. And then, you know, there's a bunch of weddings getting ready to happen. I don't know if you guys have caught wind of this. But uh, Lizzie Stein and Shay apparently are engaged, in case you haven't seen them glowing up here on the second row. <laughs> you know, Jacob Early and Amy Underwood, and uh, our very own Jake Stevens, you remember him? He's getting married, you know, this year, and uh, Lauren Sandlin is engaged. So, man, praise God for that. And how many babies have been born? I Sorry, I couldn't tally all the babies that have been born. If somebody, if you've had a baby born in your family this year, raise your hand. Wow, look at that. Thank you, Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand for new life. <laughs> Angel Stewart said that grace relieved her fears in Africa this year. Gosh, we, we know about that report. Um, Pam Trollin said grace and strength made it through chemotherapy, surgery, and radiation to live a life free of cancer. Thank you, God. And Harriet said that um, God healed my son from a brain bleed. That's awesome. And um, Bill B. said that through the School of the Supernatural, I hear God's voice more clearly. I think my relationships with people are much improved. That's great. So... Um, and then somebody said, being able to fulfill my granny's request she made before she died in 2007 of going to the Holy Land. The Lord healed Venus of asthma, acid reflux, Hashimoto's, hypothyroidism, and removing another tumor from her bladder. Come on. Oh, and... Uh, <laughs> from the and he, she also said, he said, I was baptized in the Sea of Galilee. It's all or nothing, Sonny. I went there with nothing and came back with his all. That was, yeah. And then the Roberts um, reported that uh, they had this incident where they were stopped on 150 behind a Mack truck and got rear-ended by a tow truck. There were no injuries and there was more damage done <laughs> to the tow truck than to their vehicle. Um. Lord, help the tow truck. <laughs> That's awesome, though, the Lord's protection. Um, and, uh, sorry, I missed one. Okay. Oh, and we, the Bollingers, had a medical bill of $3,000 just canceled. Um, and Clark Howell was completely healed of an autoimmune disease. So that's awesome. And um, Heidi White graduated from UNC Charlotte in religious studies with honors this month. Come on, Heidi. <laughs> and if we went around the room, I'm sure there's a billion other things that God has done this year. This is just a smidgen of the best of 2013. But also as a congregation, Byron said to remind us that we've birthed two significant ministries, probably more than that. But two of the highlights are the Father's Table and River Life Chapel Hill. So let's just give the Lord thanks again for that. Thank you, God. <laughs> like when we pray for healing, it's like, God, you healed 60%. Now let's have the other 40. God, you've given us this measure. Now we ask you for the fullness, God. We just ask you to release more. 
in our hearts. I pray those doors, those dreams and visions who have people in this, in this room right now, God, that have had a vision for a kingdom ministry, God, that have been germinating and sitting there. Lord, if this is the time, we say breathe on it, Holy Spirit, and call people forth in their kingdom destinies, their kingdom visions this year, God. We just thank you for that. Thank you, Lord. All right. So, in your Bible, you can turn to Acts 6 or click on it. My mom's here. She informed me she still carries a Bible with pages. She likes that. and We'll pay for I like to click on my iPad. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Acts 6. Byron said last Sunday, God is very interested in lost people right now. I mean, it's kind of a funny statement because you might think, well, isn't God always interested in lost people? Well, of course He is. But at the same time, undeniably throughout human history, there are these seasons where for reasons I can't explain, it's just easy. Fish are jumping in the boat, so to speak. God is just moving on the hearts of men. And, you know, just yesterday I'm standing outside of um, Ben, I think it was, Ben's basketball game. And this lady just starts talking to me and like pouring out her life. I'm not really doing anything. How many people have stuff like that happen to them? <laughs> you know, and it's just, I believe when I look at you guys, I was going to say this at the beginning, like this church is just full of the light of God. There's a love of God in your hearts. I'm not like best friends with everybody in this room, even though I like to be, but your love just shines through. Thank you for that. And, and it makes a difference in this world, in this community that we live in, as you walk out and you just buy your groceries and you pump your whatever you're doing in your life, God's love is reaching people. Even when you're preaching the gospel without using words. God's love is reaching hearts. And, and I, I see some things in these ordinary men in Acts, and I love this story. Many of you have heard me talk about this before, but um, I'm going to go through some other things again. Um, oh, another thing, too, is I said this the other week, but people like the German evangelist Reinhard Bonnke, you know how many people know who Reinhard is? You know, he, he spent 40 years in Africa, 73 million conversions. God said at the beginning, all of Africa will be saved. Now they report all of Africa is being saved. This year, God shifted his ministry and said, all of America will be saved. Reinhardt, I want you going to America. He moved here. He got U.S. citizenship in Florida. You know, he's going to be in Greensboro next September, or this, yeah, this coming September. Um, so, and then Billy Graham, you know, has his final kind of, television broadcast how many people saw that just such an awesome thing you can just feel the father's heart i would call it the spirit of evangelism but i'm trying to stay away from the e-word because i think for people who have been a christian for so long somehow that word kind of takes on like a connotation or, or, or an image of some season past and that may be good it may not be good but whatever the case is I want you to envision with me the heart of a loving father reaching out to his children. 
the, the prodigal son's dad, you know, the kids who were just coming home and he's just throwing his, his heart, his robe, his house wide open his whole life and saying, yeah, come on in, come on in. Let's, let's kill the fatted calf. Let's put a ring on this boy's finger, you know, and then the older son, all, all the scenarios there in that story. It's like the father's heart is reaching out to our communities right now. And so this is just a message to just spark something in your heart. Um, Bob Jones, you know, he releases these little booklets called The Shepherd's Rod. He'll be here by February. If you, I don't know, we don't have them on stock here, but you could order them online. It's just the words that the Lord's given him for the coming year. And uh, on the back, he says, this is the year the harvest begins, and it will set in motion the greatest showing on earth. 2013 is the culmination of one age and the beginning of another. It's, time, it's the time of the double portion as the Elijah ministries come to an end and Elisha ministries begin. This year, the army of God will come together in agreement as the Father calls His army to the ranks. For these are the days Joel prophesied. So come on, army. Let's do this. The church is awakened with renewed hunger and thirst as Jesus returns to it. The righteous will be promoted this year while the wicked shall reap a harvest of their fleshly desires because God is watching over His Word to perform it. There's a wedding taking place and it's joining the Old and New Testament. Look for the books of Jeremiah, Ruth, and Galatians to be significant this year. 2013 will begin the greatest harvest of all times. So, um, you know, that stirs me up. So, all right, Acts 6. To catch you up to speed here, in the first church in Jerusalem, um, they had a whole, uh, a glorious mess on their hands, in a sense. They had a lot of people, a lot of cool stuff happened, but they also had a lot of details to work out. You know, they had Jews combined with Greeks. And so, in Acts 6, it says, Now in those days, when the number of disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, that's the Greeks, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It's not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, I'm butchering these names, and Nicholas, I got that one, that one's easy. I really wonder what happened to those other five, but maybe somebody will tell me afterwards. A proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full in faith and power, okay, because remember Steve here, he's just, he's a guy, he's a man full of faith and power, but he's been chosen to do what? To serve, serve tables. Got to serve the food, got to take care of these widows and such. But uh, here's what happens. Full of faith and power did great wonders and signs among the people. Then there arose some from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit 
by which he spoke. Take note of that. They were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. I think he's just a common man. But this authority that he spoke with was, there was nothing they could do with that. So it made them really mad. Then they secretly induced men to say, we've heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him, seized him and brought him to the council. They also set up false witnesses who said, this man does not cease to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the custom which Moses delivered to us. Listen, this is a really wild verse. And all who sat in the council looked steadfastly at him, saw his face as the face of an angel. Wow. What's going on with Steve? (laughs) So in chapter 7, the first part, I'm not going to read that the whole chapter. He goes on to give these, these Jews, these priests, an account of their history. He gives them a pretty detailed history lesson from the beginning up to where they're at with Jesus. And then he gets kind of harsh with them and tells them that they're basically a stiff-necked people. That what are you going to do? Just like your ancestors, are you going to kill the prophets? And, you know, all this kind of thing. And uh, it probably wasn't the most tactful message in terms of feel good, but it was of the Holy Spirit. But, you know... Uh, Let's see, where did I jump to? Let me go to 7.54. So after he had finished, when they heard these things, they, the Jews, the priests, the council he was talking to, were cut to the heart, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven, and he saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, look, I see the heavens opened. Everybody say the heavens open. I see the heavens open. Now remember, this is in our era, okay? Our era, however you say that word. In our era, Stephen saw the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then something terrible happened. They cried with a loud voice. They ran at him with one accord. They cast him out of the city and they stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he died. He fell asleep. 8.1 Now Saul was consenting to his death. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which, by the way, I believe that was one of the greatest intercessions ever made in the history of mankind. That's Stephen at his death. What did he do? The Spirit of Christ entered him, and he prayed the same prayer Jesus prayed when he was hanging on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. He prayed this prayer, and who was standing there giving consent to it? Saul murdering Christians in the very next chapter, chapter 9, which may have been a year later or so, I don't know, was the Damascus Road encounter that Saul had where Jesus literally appeared to him. 
I think Stephen co-labored with the ordained will of God in that and made intercession even on his deathbed, even when he was dying, being murdered. Isn't that powerful? At that time, a great persecution arose against the church which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And look what happens. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. But there was a certain man... Is that where I stopped? Okay, sorry. But there was a certain man named Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. I mean, Simon said, I mean, they literally said, This is the great power of God. This false healer, this like new ager of the day, with his false healings. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then even Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. That was the power of God that came through Phil. You know? Not Phil Robertson. It was a different guy. But uh, the power of God was just flowing through him in a remarkable way. And yes, if we went on, had time to go on in the story, you can see that old Simon got himself into a little bit of a rebuke when Peter and John came down. But whatever the case is, I think he was just a little misguided. He was a little immature in his newfound faith in Christ. He was absolutely amazed at what was going on there. But then also what happens too is the Holy Spirit comes upon these Samaritans. We'll talk about them in a minute. And they send Peter and John to them from Jerusalem saying, Pete and John, you've got to get down there fast. Things are exploding here in Samaria and we're going to need some help. You know, we need what you guys carry. Um, but let me just, okay, so I just wanted to kind of read the complete text there. And I'm going to go back and I want to make five comments and applications here for us in this season of, can you believe another year's over already? Man, am I getting old or something, Jim? I don't... <laughs> it really is true. I hate to tell you, if you're younger than me, the older you get, the faster time speeds up. You never heard that. Gosh, my oldest son is going to be in his last year of high school next year. Yeah, I know. I'm going to cut the beard off because it's turning almost as gray as Byron's. <laughs> I've still got hair, though. Still got hair. But it's okay, Byron's. All right. <laughs> he said, Who knows what River Life Chapel Hill will do to you? <laughs> Hey, here's point number one. 
Everything in the kingdom begins with an open heaven. The open heaven that was released by Jesus is the release of the kingdom. There's no separation between heaven and earth. If we'll believe it. You know, I love what Michelle said, Michelle Perry says, you know, one of our friends, if you don't know her, she says that the kingdom of heaven or the spiritual realm, I should define that, the spiritual realm of God's world is so close that you can just lean your face into it. It's just right there. That is the kingdom. And when Jesus released that open heaven, we'll look at those scriptures in a minute. And one thing before we look at those scriptures, I wanted to remind you too, is about biblical meditation is, uh, you know, the Lord had to remind me of this, so I figured, well, if I need to be reminded, probably other people do too. But I think it's so important to find a few minutes in your day to just get relaxed, be quiet, or a little bit of worship music in your ear, whatever, and fill your mind with the presence of God, with the meditations of heaven. I love what Pam Jolly told this lady in the healing room the other day. She goes, don't you just love snuggle time? <laughs> She's like, yeah. Don't you just love to crawl up in his lap? Yeah, that's sort of what I'm talking about. Why is that important? Because it sets our focus right. It sets the focus for the day. And it's similar, I mean... You know, reading the Scripture, absolutely, and, and other kinds of intercession and prayer, those are all important. I'm not saying those aren't important. But there's nothing like just getting still. And a while back, we used to talk a lot about soaking. How many people remember soaking? You know, I was thinking, oh, I haven't heard that word in a while, so I'm going to throw it out there. Soaking, it's just simply that. It's biblical. It's, it's the psalmist, David, his, the meditations of your heart um, being set on him. It's not... New Age meditation, because that's a false perversion. That's empty in your mind. Biblical meditation is the true, the light. It's actually filling your mind with the goodness of God and your mind set upon Christ. It's all what the Bible talks about. That's just to be clear. I think this is so important. And let me come back to it, because you're going to see that this is a big aspect of the open heaven. Let me just remind you of a few things. So, first of all, in Acts, Stephen he sees Jesus through this open heaven, standing at the right hand of the Father in this crucial time in his life. Um, then uh, in John 1.49, Jesus is calling some guys, and he says to this guy named Nathaniel, he says that he saw him under a fig tree, and he's blown away, because Nate's like, you saw me under a fig How did you know where I was? And Jesus just answered and said to him, Oh, I'm sorry, Nathaniel answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, you believe? You'll see greater things than these. And he said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. So he said that to Nathaniel. He said that to all of us. You're going to see in the spiritual world that the heavens are open. There's no longer a separation between heaven and earth. What's he talking about? If you cross-reference it in your Bible, it goes back to Jacob's ladder. From what is that? Genesis, what chapter is that? Jacob's ladder. Anybody know? I don't know. It's in Genesis. 
You'll find it. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? At Bethel, right? Where Jacob has his dream and he sees a ladder and he sees the angels of God ascending and descending. So Jesus was literally saying to Nate, hey, I'm Jacob's ladder. I am the open heaven. When he, and then, um, of course, Matthew 3 in Jesus' ministry as he's beginning, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Now, in that place of soaking, in that place of meditation... Hey, Brooke. How you doing? All right, sorry. (laughs) Brooke's back in town too. Um, In that place of meditation, you find this to be true in your heart, don't you? I'm his beloved Son. I'm his beloved daughter. You can find that when you tap into that heavenly place of where your father is and him speaking to you. All right, number two. The father wants the disasters and disappointments in your life in 2013 to fuel a motivation for the future in 2014 rather than a regret of the past. probably had a few disappointments i'm guessing 2013 we read the highlight reel we didn't read the disappointment reel you know (laughs) nobody wants to clap for that you know but nonetheless many of us still feel the pain many of us are still walking through the day in the day out of some of that stuff you know just living real life and uh um the lord gave me this chapter in acts acts 8 you know shortly after my good friend matt was murdered you know in 2009 and because i saw in philip a resolve i saw and Phil- i thought well philip and stephen had to have been pretty close because they're two guys chosen out of seven they're working side by side and all of a sudden a really bad day happens for philip and the other six One of theirs is brutally murdered. So what are they going to do? They go through the, the necessary season of mourning. It says men mourned over Stephen. They buried him. They went through that healthy process. But did they stop there? No, they moved on. And I feel like Philip said something like this to himself. I'm going to use my friend's death as a motivation rather than a setback. And I'm taking this thing on further because my Jesus died for me. So through that death, there is glory. So through Stephen's death, there is glory. And in the same way, I know I've preached this several times before, but just bear with me here because your heart can be encouraged again. But in the same way, through all of your loss, just like mine and ours, through all of your pain, there's a glory that awaits on the other side. You know, Angel Stewart is no, there's no greater testimony than her life. There's a glory that waits on the other side of that. And one thing I've realized is in the American church, well, wait, let me say this, in the gospel, there's two aspects that we share in Christ. The glory of Christ and the suffering of Christ. And the American church does not like to talk about the suffering of Christ aspect. Rightfully so. There are churches in the world 
who go through things on a daily basis that we have no, we, we cannot fathom. How many people have been to those places and you have seen what they live like? But how is their faith? It makes me feel convicted. I'm wondering, I'm like, am I saved? You know, not really. I, their faith is so strong, there's a resolve. Why? Because they understand something very important in the gospel, that the suffering of Christ produces the glory of Christ. We love the glory realm. I'm all about, I am camped out in the glory realm. That's where I'm living my life. But with preceded from the glory realm, preceded by it is the suffering of Christ. Because His death produced the glory. It was the resurrected Christ, right? It's why we're here. So sometimes, so just like Joseph, you know, he was a messianic figure of old. Just like in the detriment of his life, when you're walking through that, you can make a choice. Even if you don't feel it, just as an act of your will. And saying, God, I'm going to mourn this. I'm going to go through those necessary things that's going to be healthy for me. But I'm moving on. I'm pressing on and I'm going to choose to cause those things to serve me rather than to hold me back and make me a victim for the rest of my life. It's not going to hurt anybody but me. And so this morning, God's bringing hope into your heart. If you're just sitting here in pain. And honestly... Even if you don't do it right every day, or you don't feel that way right this minute, it's okay. Because God's got you here, and He's got this. He's going to bring you to that place. But I just want to make you, I just, in fact, let me just pray for you right now. I just want to give you a, an opportunity right now just to choose that in your heart. It's just like forgiveness. You don't have to feel forgiveness. You choose forgiveness because Christ forgave so you can forgive. So just choose to, to let the Lord move you on. Holy Spirit, thank you so much for your presence. Thank you for your heart of love. I thank you that you are a God who suffers with us. That in our worst times in life, in our worst moments, you are there with us, weeping like you wept over your friend Lazarus. God, you are there. The Bible says Jesus wept. You've been there and you've walked through that. You walked with Daniel through the fire of the lion's den. Oh, Lord, and I ask you, God, for the courage and strength of Gideon to rise within the hearts of men and women and young people sitting here this morning who have been beat down and feeling depression and despair in their life. God, I've been there. I know what that feels like. But I ask you, Father, that just like you did for me, grab them. Grab them by the hand, the coat. Heck, grab them by the neck if you have to, Lord. Just get a hold of them right now and pull them out. Pull them out, God. Set their feet on a solid ground, on a path that never ends, God. On a path to victory and to goodness, God. Thank you for that, Lord. See, all this has to do with, what was the title of my message? Reaching the lost and hurting. Because I honestly think that, well, here's just what I've, here's my testimony. How many people have encountered God in 2013? Like there's been some kind of almost like a pivotal moment in this past year where you have broke. That's wonderful. So blessed. 
you know, here's been one of my encounter with God this year is just just kind of a love revolution in my heart. You know what I mean? But I realize something. I know where it comes from. It comes from that suffering. It's that bittersweet thing. It's like I would never choose to want that suffering, but since it's happened and God's brought me through it, there's a deeper, richer, stronger, contagious love that I didn't have before. That's what we're talking about. That's what we need to reach those who are hopeless. Okay. Oh, man. It's 11.58. And I told Dad I was going to be short and amazing today. <sighs> and because it's the best kind of preaching. Because as Jim taught us years ago, Many a great 15-minute message been ruined in an hour. Isn't that right, Jim? So I'm, I'm teetering on the edge here. I don't want to beat you. I want you to walk out of here feeling encouraged. I can't talk, though. Okay. Number three. I'm just going to have to summarize. Yeah. Yeah, the heading of number two was, The Father wants the disasters and disappointments in your life in 2013 to fuel a motivation for the future of 2014 rather than a regret of the past. Sorry, that's kind of a long heading. <laughs> Did you get all that? Number three, are you guys okay? Yeah. Isn't that what Byron says? All right. <laughs> Y'all all right? <laughs> the heart of the Father... Oh, this is a really good one. <laughs> the heart of the Father doesn't view people with an us and them mentality. In order to effectively reach those who are truly lost, we need to change the way we think about them. We got to think about the way we, this us and them thing. That's just not the Lord. It's not in Jesus' ministry. And think about this. This sounds like, uh, this is a really powerful verse. It's one of my favorites. When I start reading it, or you look at it, you're going to think, that's your favorite verse. But just wait. The, the climax is at the end, okay? 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. The NIV says, and that's what some of you were. So just tap your neighbor and say, yeah, that was you. <laughs> Sorry, that, that sounds like a put down. Maybe we should point to ourselves. That was me. I was that. But God, everybody say, but God, but God, but you were washed, you were sanctified. Now we're preaching. Now you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. Hallelujah. Praise God. I was that in my heart. I was just as wicked as they come. There is no us in them. I was that. But I didn't stay there. Now Philip went down to Samaria. Right? Who were the Samaritans? 
They were the thems. The us and them. They were the thems to the Jews. They were hated. They were despised. Quick history lesson, because a long time before, you know, the northern kingdom was carried off into exile, the kingdom of Israel. But one of the kings, 50 years something later, brought, well, he needed to repopulate that deserted area. So he, he sent some people from some other nations to this region in between Galilee in the north and Judea in the south, what it would become, called Samaria. He sent them to repopulate that. There were some pagan peoples. Okay, and there was a few smudgerings of gathering. That's an official word. It's a biblical word. Smudgerings of Jews left. They kind of intermingled with them and intermarried and passed on some generations. And so there's a lot to it, but without going into all the details, they kind they they developed this form of Judaism, of, of the true religion. But the Jews in Jerusalem definitely looked down on them. At best, they were like the country cousins. You know, like, <laughs> like the one that was invited to the holidays that nobody really wanted there. I know nobody has that in their family. But anyway, you know, like they were definitely the them. And when the persecution happens, where does Phil go? He goes to them guys down there and God breaks out. And then... The Holy Spirit falls. Good heavens. Anything but Him. You know, because they had to have been in Jerusalem going, you sure that's God? You know he, who He fell upon, you know? The Holy Spirit comes. And I don't have a time to read this. I wish I did next time. But you remember the story from Sunday school of Zacchaeus, right? This is in Luke 19. This is a picture of extravagant love. This is a guy who was a thief. He was a tax collector. He was the IRS agent, you know, calling you. And, but it's probably even worse in those days because I think they kept the, some of the proceeds. And I'm not making any editorial comments about the IRS. I'm sorry. But anyway, he was not seen as a really good dude. And what did Jesus, so you know, Jesus coming by, he catches wind of it. He's a short guy. So he climbs a sycamore tree to get a look at this Jesus. And what does Jesus do? Does he look at him and be like, I see you, scoundrel. You dirty, rotten thief. You better come down and repent of your sins, boy. No, he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that at all. He actually does something really controversial. He looks at him. He says, hey, come down here, Zacchaeus. I want to come hang out at your house. Really? Yeah, like, you got something to drink? Yeah, I might have something to drink. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got some food? Yeah, all right, come on, I'm coming to your New Year's Eve party. You know, come on, I want to hang out with you. When Zacchaeus looked into the eyes of love, he saw who he really was. He saw a picture of himself. And what did he find? He found a father. He found a loving Father that even without words pierced Him to the deepest part of our being. Sometimes we have to confront sin outwardly. But a lot of times we can confront sin with extravagant love. Because it's irresistible. Like Sarah said this morning, 
It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Isn't it what brought you there? Because you found out there was something really good in Him. It's not soft on sin. I don't care what anybody tells you. Because He did the same thing with the woman caught in adultery. And what happened to her when she looked into the eyes of perfect love? Oh man, she was just overwhelmed. And what did He say? Go and sin no more. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about an extravagant love that we've received and give away. Alright. see people checking their iPhones. God bless you. I know. Short and amazing. They're reading their Bible. That's right. Yeah, kickoffs in 55. Okay. By the way, the January 26th in Chapel Hill, Dean, there's no football that day. Yeah. Number four, there is an appointed time and place for you to step into a new level of authority. Anointing and power this year. The Arthur Birch saying, the anointing is pointing. The anointing pointed Philip to Samaria. I believe Philip was a pretty powerful guy, probably in Jerusalem, but the Bible doesn't record any of his miracles. It's not until he went down to Samaria that all heaven broke out. And he did some of the most phenomenal things. And he, on in the chapter, he leads the first African to Christ. And then, check this out, blow your theology. He gets transported in the Spirit, like 250 miles to Azotus. Still waiting for that one. That's the next level. <laughs> Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, glory to glory. Come on, get ready, glory people. There's greater glory coming. It happened in the New Testament. It's legal. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. He's just a guy, Phil. You know? <laughs> the anointing is pointing. So for us and those who go with us, hint, hint, there are those that are praying about going to Chapel Hill. The anointing's pointing to Chapel Hill. And uh, I'm not going to, I'm just going to say this. Openly, I feel like the Lord said to me personally, because you know, this was the verse the Lord gave me for my life, is when you step into Chapel Hill, there will be a new authority and anointing for healing the sick that you've never experienced before. I'm like, okay. See, I just prophesied over myself. Is that okay? Y'all okay with that? I'm just saying though, I'm just use that as an example. Prophesy over yourself. What is the Lord saying? There's a new anointing. It may not be a, a, a different location. It may be something that you're stepping into spiritually or whatever. You know what I mean? All right. Got to wrap it up. Number five. The most effective evangelism. I've already said this one kind of, but the most effective evangelism comes through ordinary people who are wrecked by extravagant love. Not just the Billy Grahams and the Reinhard Bonkies. I'm telling you one thing, man. Ed Carroll, and, and uh, who else was I praying with? Oh, Pam Jolly in the healing rooms. They got me wrecked by extravagant love when we were praying for people the other night. Just absolutely wrecked. There was such an anointing in that room, and I walked out feeling so encouraged. Because I'm like, you know what I love about this ministry? is just people of the body are doing the stuff. And that's what it's all about. It's just doing the stuff of Christ. It's everybody. It's not just like this guy up here with a microphone, you know, with blazing 
you know, fire on the stage, that has its place to equip all of us for the real fire to be released into our communities. So take a hold of that. You guys are right. All right. Like I said at the beginning, this is my conclusion. I really hate sickness and pain because Jesus does. He hated it so much that he had his skin violently, aggressively, grotesquely ripped from his body so that it would be destroyed. And uh, then he told people, his guys, you know, he said, these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. They'll drink anything deadly that won't hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick and they might recover. <laughs> and they will recover. So um, who's sick in here this morning? Let's just get you healed right quick. <laughs> I found it doesn't take long. You know, let's just get you healed if you need to be healed this morning. Because I really believe Jesus wants to do that. So um, where's my healing rooms, people? Pam, you're here. You and Jerry, you come up here and pray in a team. And uh, who? where's all the other healing rooms feel? Palmer, aren't you here? Can you come up here? And, uh, yeah, anybody on the healing rooms team, just come on up here. Is that it? Okay, Marlon's here. All right, so we got two teams of people. And then some ministry team people, if you guys can come up here and um, just pray in groups. I really feel like. Like, you guys should just pray in groups here, or pray in twos, okay? And uh, so, has anybody got pain in their body? Any sickness at all? All right, come on up here. Let's get that rid of that stuff. And so, you guys who are praying, you just speak to the pain and just tell it to go. Ask them what's up before you pray, and uh, just speak to the pain. Just speak to those body parts, back, being whole. I know mom's going to get a new pack, a new back piece. She needs that. If you want to come stand in for somebody, you can do that. I'm going for, you know in the Bible when it, Jesus came and he said all who came were healed? I'm going for that today. So as they're praying, the rest of you guys stand up. Let me pray for you. And by the way, if you're not saved in here this morning, like you need to meet Jesus for the first time, man, you've looked into the eyes of love this morning in this place, in this room. Come up here and tell me. Come find me and Sarah. We want to pray with you right now to start 2014 with a new life with Jesus. It'll be awesome. So let me pray for you guys. God, I thank you so much for your heart for the loss and the hurting, those who are without hope and are dying, God, those who are caught in sin, God, those who are just caught in snares of addiction and affliction, God. We just ask you through this body called River Life, through your church in America, to set them free. Set them free, God. And we say, here we are, God. You guys just put your hands out to the Lord like you're receiving your favorite Christmas gift. Okay, just say, here I am, Lord, use me, use me, I sign up, God, amen.
Amen. Let your anointing Holy Spirit for signs and wonders, just like Phil and Steve, to fall right now on this whole church, God. This is just the beginning for us, Lord. Thank you for what you've done. And Lord, we look forward to what you're about to do. In Jesus' name, amen. So you guys be blessed. Have a happy new year. And uh, if we can have some more ministry team people up here too to help us pray, that would be fantastic. Be blessed.